Welcome to the Industries in Motion podcast from RBC Capital Markets, where we take the time to explore what's new and what's next in today's fast-moving markets to help you stay ahead of the curve. Please listen to the end of this podcast for important disclosures. My name's Peter Dawkins, and I'm the product manager here in London, the UK for RBC Capital Markets. Uh, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Victoria McCulloch, who leads coverage of our energy services team here in UK, but based in Edinburgh. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about something I think that's very topical, very interesting, which is carbon capture. Uh, so thank you very much for your time today, Victoria. Thank you for joining us. Thanks very much, Peter. Um, and so I know the focus of the conversation will probably be more around the regulations and some really important updates. Uh, but maybe we can level set and just do a high level discussion quickly of, you know, what is carbon capture technology and, and maybe where we are today with that technology? So as a research team, we tend to look at industrial carbon capture. There's, you know, that's ultimately looking at the process um, that's most applicable to the companies we cover. But also there is direct air capture, which has, has gained a lot of headlines recently. I think, you know, you talked about technology and it's important to maybe start there. So that process is called it. They use an carbon capture and they use an amine technology in order to attract the, the CO2 from the emissions and trap that, the extractor from the amine solution. And then that's used to be transported in transportation and storage for permanent sequestration of the emissions. Now, this technology is not a new technology, which is possibly where people think this is a well-developed industry. But in fact, this is about in its nascent stages. We're early stage in this being a widely accepted technology. And in that process, we do, for the near term, expect you know, amine solutions to be most widely used in carbon capture. But there are new technologies such as membranes coming up that we could see you know, on a longer term horizon being an important part of carbon capture. And I think that's an important point because carbon capture, everyone keeps talking about, especially if you've been in the sustainability space as being a crucial element of how we're going to meet our emissions goals. But equally, I think a lot of people also look at it as this far away technology. So I know you said it's it's not an old, or sorry, it's not a new industry, but where are we actually in terms of adoption and how far have we come and, and maybe how much further do we have to go? Sure. So there have been a number of large scale, medium scale carbon capture facilities put in place, both in Europe and um, internationally, Australia, there's a well known one and in the US. And I think what's important with these is they're collectively they make up about 50 million tonnes per annum um, in terms of CO2 capture is permanently stored. But in the grand scale of what th these this could be in terms of technology, that's you know a drop in the ocean. So, you know, these are part of almost every government and uh, you know independent body's net zero calculations. And certainly, you know, we looked at IEA as a good guidance of where you know the industry could potentially grow to. The IEA guides that by 2030, we need 1.2 gigatons of carbon capture. We're at 50 million tons per annum at the moment. You know, that's an enormous amount of growth. You know, it's a huge development across a number of, you know, countries and continents that is going to be required. Today, there's about 300 million tons planned to come on stream by 2030. You're well below that current target. So as you've just flagged, that growth is massive. And, and I think, or well, I should say the required growth is massive. And I think that's why we should talk today about the regulations, because how are we going to create the environment to actually allow that growth or to encourage that growth to occur? And right now, it does seem like the most uh, prominent place for carbon capture is the US, particularly after the Inflation Reduction Act. So maybe you can just explain a little bit about the Inflation Reduction Act and, and what it meant for carbon capture. Sure, no problem. I think the, you know, 
ultimately, you know, this is a waste industry and there needs to be fiscal incentives to encourage companies to abate their emissions and stop emitting CO2 into the atmosphere. And the way that the government you know, can choose to do this is with carrots or sticks. Um, and, you know, what we've seen in Europe is that there has, has been very much a stick or, or a regulatory um, background to this with, you know, carbon allowances and, 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 re and reduction in these visibly over the period of time. Last year, the world of carbon capture changed materially with the announcement of the Inflation Reduction Act. And I think that, you know, has, has marked a step forward in global regulation of the way people look at carbon capture and the role it could play in net zero. So the Inflation Reduction Act provided a very, a much greater increased um, tax credit for companies who choose to invest in, in, in carbon capture. You know, this has gone from about $40 per tonne to up to $85 per tonne. Looking at industrial carbon capture, direct air capture can be as high as $150 per tonne. What that's provided companies with is, you know, a, a, a means to understanding how this industry can be built up, where they can invest, and, you know, working out this as a financial framework um, and opportunities that, that, that they can grow carbon capture as part, you know, their own net zero targets. What the inflation reduction also allowed companies to do is make carbon capture part of their capital allocation, you know, make, make it part of the decision-making process. It's not to say these projects will be accelerated immediately, but actually that, you know, this can become part of the, the wider um, decision-making on, on their capital. And correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think that's a really important point that you've just made is from the capital allocation and having the clarity about the actual uh, returns that these companies can make when they start to address these issues. Because for so long, I think a lot of companies have been so hesitant given the scale and the, the scope of the investments required with no real understanding of, of what that would actually require for them or how they would benefit from it. Absolutely. And, and costs are definitely at the forefront of carbon capture. You know, we've seen costs come down materially. You know, these have been in excess of multiple hundred dollars per ton for, for capture. You know, the, I do think that the industry has done a really good job in terms of improving cost control, increasing efficiencies. You know, that has, has been worked on and, the, you know, the $85 per ton is certainly moving towards more commercial levels where, you know, I don't think this will be an industry that makes high rates of return. You know, it is a waste industry. It's likely to follow utility style margins. But actually understanding that, you know, how that industry can be built up is an important first step. And I like how you put it with the carrot and the stick. And I think to your point, the Inflation Reduction Act is probably the most comprehensive um, act that we've seen in this, this area. But we also, I believe, have the EU Green Deal. So maybe we can compare and contrast the Inflation Reduction Act with what we're seeing over here in, in Europe and maybe any of the key differences that you think are worth highlighting. Sure. I think it's, you know, it's, it's worth pointing out that Europe was certainly ahead of the US prior to the inflation reduction of it being announced. You know, there are a number of facilities coming on in the next 80 to 24 months in your or shorter periods probably than that, as, as, as few as three to five months, actually. We're going to see more projects in Europe come on stream um, in CCS, which have been invested in, you know, date prior, dating prior to the Inflation Reduction Act. And that has been motivated by the EU Innovation Fund, which in it is in its third round of fund, large-scale funding um, and has provided lump sum funding for carbon capture in Europe. Um, so, as I said, they use a carrot and stick method, um, you know, the combination in Europe. And, you know, that is through carbon credits, which limit um, emissions for companies 
and also through funding through these innovation deal award, uh, awards to companies. The difficulty is that the Inflation Reduction Act has provided such a blanket funding for carbon capture generally across the US and, and for all companies that the EU now needs to find a way to remain competitive uh, with um, the US, you know, to retain you know global capital, global, you know, and you know IQ on the on carbon capture and and keep people's attention. We've seen the EU Green Deal come across, and you know that has the ambition of companies having you know net neutral emissions by twenty fifty. You know that in order to keep to that target, ultimately we need to see more abatement. And CCS is an important part of abatement. How that will result in accelerating you know, funding for projects and, and, and improved fiscal terms remains still a bit uncertain. Well, I think so. We've got the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, which we've said is probably the leading act. We've got the Green Deal, which is promising with, with some room for improvement. Where does the UK stand in all of this? Sure. So the UK has made some big announcements on, on carbon capture. And I think that certainly you know, has attracted some headlines and a lot of talking points. What we've seen is the UK has announced £20 billion to be you know, put towards CCS in order to help the country reach net zero. And that is a huge amount of money. And it is, you know, made a clear path that it wants to achieve this through industrial clusters. You know, we have seen through both in Europe and the US, this cluster formation of multiple emitters grouping together their emissions um, for transportation and storage and being most conscious of costs is being a really good solution. So the UK has chosen the East Coast cluster and the High Net Northwest clusters as the two Track 1 clusters and recently announced the Acorn and Viking projects as the Track 2 clusters. Within this, there were various phases um, and there are a number of projects that are they're in, in final negotiations. The challenge with these, and, and the UK has a 20 to 30 million tonnes per annum target by 2030. The challenge today is how quickly can these get on stream? And, you know, these are all relatively large scale and bespoke CCS facilities, you know, each targeting close to or more than a million tonnes per annum each. And I think, you know, that's how where the biggest challenge today is. How can this be accelerated? At the moment, um, we're waiting for you know these first awards and these first um, you know final negotiations to you know materialise. You know the UK government has done a lot in providing confidence in the industry. You know in the CCS process itself, in storage and transportation, and 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 you know, and actually you know has been taught the right game on you know CCS and and its importance in reaching net zero. The challenge is, is, you know, when will we see that bullet happen and, and the industry accelerate? Because people are poised, but we need, you need the real government support um, behind that. And I think that's probably something that's true for, for all the countries we've spoken about today. And I think 2030 is not so far away and that a lot feels like it has to happen and will happen over the next few years. So I think it'll be a very exciting time. And hopefully uh, we do see that growth rapidly accelerate in the UK. So we spent, you know, a, a good amount of time on the costs, the fiscal support, the regulatory hurdles. Uh, this is going to be a very dynamic environment and a lot of change is going to happen. What other challenges are there to carbon capture growing the way that it needs to grow for us to meet our, our emissions goals? Sure. We're seeing a lot of challenges across the industry and, and from everything from the cost of construction, you know, the cost of this technology to the fiscal support from governments, you know, that cost structure makes up a huge part of the discussion on CCS at the moment. 
What we're also seeing is transportation and storage is a very key area. Next year, we'll see the Northern Lights project in Norway be the first injection facility opened in Europe. But what we're seeing in the US, interestingly, is the use of class two and class six wells is becoming a quite a debated and, and a topical issue. So class six wells are for permanent sequestration of CO2. Class two wells are for enhanced oil recovery in oil fields. And you know, this there's a permitting issue with class six wells. These take much longer due to the longer permitting processes. Um, and these are typically awarded by the US Environmental Protection Agency. Class two wells are typically state governed um, and these permits are, are awarded on a much quicker basis. So what we've seen is some of the energy companies are actually in quite strong positions to accelerate CCS projects if they can get the economics to work and see, you know, inject these in class two opportunities where it's permitted. So, you know, permitting you know, and transportation and storage and, and the building up of that industry in support of the actual capture is as topical an issue. Um, you know, these getting the economics to work here is a little bit more straightforward in terms of, um, you know, tolling is, is, is familiar in the US and we've seen certainly um, there's precedent in the Europe, in Europe also for shipping CO2 um, as we've seen bolts for um, be commissioned for the Northern Lights project. So, you know, they've made a lot of strides in, in transportation and storage, um, but that can also be an area where there are some hurdles. I think today has been a really great discussion around, you know, the basics of carbon capture, but importantly, all of the regulatory change and how fast things are moving, uh, encouragingly, but also in reality, how much more we, we have to do to get to where we need to be. And, and I think at the end of this discussion, we've really uh, covered a few other important topics that I think would be worth exploring in, in greater depth. And so I really hope that we can get you on again and we can have another deep dive into carbon capture and, and hopefully talk a bit more about how we're addressing some of those other, other challenges. But thank you very much for your time today and, and we appreciate you joining us. Thanks very much, Peter. Really good to join you. And there's certainly lots still to talk about in carbon capture. Thank you very much for, for joining us today and for listening to the Industries in Motion podcast. We appreciate your viewership and listenership. And as always, if you have any comments, feedback or questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you very much. This content is based on information available at the time it was recorded and is for informational purposes only. It is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation, and no recommendations are implied. It is outside the scope of this communication to consider whether it is suitable for you and your financial objectives.